like video production and, and just kind of went from there and was like, I need a better logo. <laughs> and, and it is an important aspect because people will, all of the arguments that a designer will give you, it's what people see, right? Uh, it's, it's on everything, it's on all of your material, whether it's packaging or letterhead or business cards or the side of your car or your sign. It's everywhere and it should be done with intention. I'm not here to say anything about that. I'm saying that that is one of the end deliverables of brand building and brand building is so much greater than just those, those fonts, logos, <coughs> uh, jingles, right? Those, those tangibles. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, don't get me started on jingles as a musician because like you can't, any time an insurance commercial comes on, I have all those jingles memorized, <laughs> cars, just. Jingles are effective, you know why? Because it's an experience. Right? Yeah, and that's what you want to cultivate as a brander and for your brand is an experience, right? KitKat doesn't actually use the words in its jingle for every commercial anymore. The tune, the experiential like breaking sound is so ingrained now that they don't have to even play the words because it's experiential. That's what's called a durable idea, right? Like it, you don't need to re-campaign every year, every season, every market, every holiday. You have one idea that is a good idea that is central to what you do. And it's, and it's an arc. Nike's durable idea was just do it. And it lasted them 10 years before they willingly decided to undergo a brand change. And then the public was like, ah, we like, just do it. <laughs> right. Um, and they heard that. And, and so when you find a good idea, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to sit at the board meeting next November and say, well, what are we doing for Christmas next year? You already know. We're going to make it relevant. You put that in the creative brief. You update it. But the value that you deliver should be the same or enhanced, right? And that can be reflective. But brand is just so, it's, it's so much more about people or it should be more about people um and then then it is about uh that sort of like celebrity recognition mm -hmm. right like brands that have enthusiastic customers built in this way that have a relationship with their brand they're loyal right Say you have a batch of bad product that comes through your dispensary and it's not your fault. If you as the dispensary brand have cultivated a good relationship with your, with your uh, stakeholders, they're going to be the ones to alert you to it. They're not going to, they're going to be the ones to be like, Hey, did you, have you, have you tried this yet? And then they're not going to pin it on you. They're not going to be that angry person coming back in and like throwing it at you being like, you sold me shit, right? Like, brand building influences those interactions as well. It, influ it, it impacts how people think about how they're going to, right? Like 
one negative review of your business on Yelp or whatever goes a really long way. And those are hard to get rid of. Yelp will charge you to get rid of those as a restaurant yeah. person. I know all about that. So if you take the time and you're intentional about cultivating an experience that just in case somebody doesn't like what they come back in, this is how we're going to handle it, right? Well, now you've saved yourself the hassle of negative brand sentiment being posted publicly and maybe having to pay to remove it or if you think that you can do a PR campaign to overcome it, like who knows. But the point really is that if those mechanisms are in place, then you cut it off at the head and you don't have to have a strategy for dealing with it because hopefully those instances don't occur. And in the even rarer off chance that they do, well, you do have a PR, you know, thing, or you do have uh, at least a set of values that you can turn to to say, did we respond? Would we respond the same way again if the situation presented itself, right? Like, and everything's a learning opportunity for growth. And so um, it, it just, a branded experience goes beyond just the person opening their box and getting your product or lighting up and smoking your pre-roll or, uh, right? Like it, it's every aspect, every touch point, every time that somebody comes in contact with your business, with your brand, stakeholders, investors, customers, employees, partners, right? Like our partners, our, our loved ones are often the forgotten stakeholders because they don't choose. They're, they're a part of our brands, but they don't choose it for themselves, right? Necessarily. So they're often a forgotten stakeholder. <coughs> so pleasure. Um, brands tend to be able to grow deeper roots that can withstand and nourish stronger trees uh, if if they are accountable to all of those stakeholders, not just the consumers, not just the transaction. Um, and so ultimately that's that's the goal. That's a perfect metaphor is what it is. So <clears throat> as a cannabis activist, uh, consumer, someone in the cannabis industry itself as the brander, where would you like to see the industry move forward, especially with, you know, the cultivators and the different people out there, you know, starting dispensaries, you know, how, how do we hold the cannabis industry accountable uh, for growing properly? So I think there are two things. And the first one I'll tease out is that the cannabis industry, as it is right now, um, and I mean industry, right? That like that word that has the ooh feeling um, is really occupied by people that don't have any business being there. Um, could you imagine being the CEO of a multi-state organization that doesn't consume cannabis and actually thinks negatively of the consumers that put money in your product? That's, right? like, that's what I say to them. It's truly baffling, but they're there. Yeah. And so that's what i would like to see us move away from because what that represents is the more of the machine more of the industrial complex that has been very successful for cigarettes for alcohol for coffee right cannabis is none of these things but yet our legislation is written and copied and pasted 
from tobacco legislation, from alcohol legislation, from right like other craft uh, or luxury item legislation. And so uh, we have to first get to the realization that those people who represent our industry are not representing our interests. And so I'm not really interested and I'm not really talking to them for the second piece. They can keep doing what they're doing because as far as I'm concerned, they'll run their own machine into the ground if we do step two. And that's focus on the community that we have seen come alive in spaces like Green Room, uh, Clubhouse, and it, right, like those, the internet community where can't, when, when somebody opens a, a cannabis room and everybody comes and it's the educators and the, the supplier, the supply chain people uh, and the, the, the growers and the grow consultants and the um, hydroponics folks. And, and then there's an, a nurse and an educator and they all come together, right? Now, that, that environment has already led to, I think, very exciting things uh, that, that you're going to see, right? Like a care for things like uh, COAs, right? Um, and educating people in a way that makes sense, right? Like, no, no. For, for anyone watching or listening, this doesn't know what a COA is. Tell them what that is real quick. Yeah, certificate of analysis, right? Like, so that what you're consuming has actually been tested. And you know, this is how much, not just for major cannabinoids, like that's an important step, especially medicinally, but then somebody like Gil would advocate for even if we can knowing the terpene profile, because that impacts the medicinal effects, right? The more information that we can have, the more we make sure that growers are following sustainable practice and growing practices, right? Like hemp is a very sustainable plant. And I use hemp and cannabis because they're the same plant they're the same plant. They're not different industries. I'll say it again. They're not different industries. They've been lobbied and pitted against each other, but they're not different industries. Mm -hmm. It is the same plant. Cannabis, hemp, yes. The answer is yes. Um, but it's cultivating that grassroots community, right? And so I live in Vermont. Farmers markets are a huge part of life here, including our cannabis life. Uh, we uh, had a cannabis uh, farmers market this summer uh, where folks were free to come and uh, consume their cannabis that they brought, but also to exchange seeds, seedlings, clones, plants, right? Like uh, in, in a farmers market way, I have my booth, you have your booth, we walk around. Uh, you know, hey, I'll give you five of this seed for five of that seed. Great. I have this sapling. Do you want this little this little plant for for that clone? Sure. That sounds great. Like and it's a farmer's market economy where everybody is getting what they need because everybody's providing something for somebody. And so it all kind of comes back around. Um, and this is actually taken from another big part of my life that we haven't talked about yet, which is Burning Man. Um, and in, in the Burning Man community, uh, radical self-reliance and communal effort are both guiding principles, right? They go hand in hand. 
I can be accountable to my community by being accountable for myself. But also, if I don't have something that I need for that accountability, for that self uh, sense of, of taking care and, and my own survival, then the community will likely have what I'm missing and will provide it as a gift. Because in Burning Man, we also operate on the principle of decommodification. There is no money at Burning Man. We don't, ex we don't buy things. You don't, you don't, you can't buy a water bottle from the stand, Like you can, that, that's a bad example. Water and ice are some of the very few things that you can get. Like you can't go and get an ice cream cone, right? Like, and pay somebody $5 for it. That doesn't happen at Burning Man. I had a beautiful tasting strawberry, the juiciest strawberry I've ever eaten in my life because it was gifted to me because somebody else brought it to the desert for the sole purpose of giving out to other people as a gift. That's really cool. And so the cannabis industry can learn similar things, right? In the same way that we've already brought people together. Well, now we do it with the same intention, but we just say, I can support, I can provide what you need in this way. You can provide what he needs in that way. And he can, he can help, right? Like we get this sense of like, it takes a village, right? But it, an industry can be the same way. We can cultivate a community through being intentional, through through the relationships that we build, so that when you come to me to get help with your brand, I'm I'm gonna do good work by you. Why? Not just because that's what we do, but because in enabling you to do better or to get more uh, people into your production company, that gets you more resources. You can then and I don't know anything about production, so I'm going to, the analogy ends there. We're going to go down the bunny hole. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, just the fact that you were trying to relate it to me was, thank you. You can, you can do that. We, we can build that the same way that when we gather at a regional burn or the big event in the desert, there's nothing there. Three, when you go, if you were to look at the Nevada desert right now, it's a desert. There's nothing there. Don't tell me it can't be built. We build it every year and it becomes the third largest city in Nevada. Don't tell me what can and can't be built. The limit is in your brain. That's crazy. See through it. We can create a cannabis community where everybody is taken care of because that's what cannabis does. If you need textile, it's textile for you. If you need food, it's food for you. If you need medicine, it's medicine for you. If you need recreation and social engagement, it's that for you. Cannabis is all things when you're intentional about what it is you're looking to get from it. And that can be different each, every time you encounter it. It's communal. And so that's why I know that it can be done because Burning Man has already shown me in the desert, in the regional burns here in the US and all around the world that where you are intentional in building community, community exists. And, and you just pretty much said everything I want moving forward in the cannabis industry right there. Uh, you know, that's why I want it legal in all 50 states is so that we can trade from state to state and cross cross county lines and cross state lines without any repercussions. But at the same time, keep 
local communities supportive and growing together in the cannabis industry as well as state to state. Exactly. And, and I love it because what can be grown well here in Vermont may not be able to be grown in New Mexico, right? And so if we're able to craft, cultivate in small batch and, and know that it's done well, um, then, then it, there's a lot less instance for, well, how do we regulate out the bad cannabis? Because we don't want the bad cannabis to come into our state. And like, right, like, like you address the root cause. You always go in and address the root cause versus like, well, we need to lobby for interstate transport. Well, that's great. The Department of Transportation can't do anything about the scheduling of cannabis. So that's lobby money well wasted. I lived in D.C., very close to K Street. I know all about the lobby industry. That's money well wasted right there. Okay, Uh, and the lobby money is what got us hemp versus cannabis in the beginning. It's what got us here politics is what got us to this place it's not what's going to get us out community driven authentic relationships that are rooted in cannabis and what it inspires at every level sustainability right like it's right here within arm's reach paul i hope you see this like this book has changed many people's lives and i and i was like as soon as i read it the first time i was like i need to buy another one i this has to go to somebody else in my life like this this she needs to read this. This is written for her. Uh, and I got a, a text message the other day that was just like, this is like, I can't put this book down. I just, I can't put this book down. Um, and that's what cannabis does. It's that community. It was that it was, you know, hearing Paul talk for the first time was, was like, oh, yeah, I want to read about that, right? Like, it wasn't some author who was on a book tour. <laughs> <laughs> It was some guy who was here because he loves cannabis. He believes in the plant at every level, just like I do. And I got to hear him speak and share his story. And guess what? I bought the book and then I bought it for somebody else. That's an enthusiastic customer. And that's the branding you've been talking about this entire show. Talking about him or his book right now. Right? That's how it works. That's how this process works. You show up, you do well, and you, you, do, you do what you say you do, right? Saying, uh, whew, a lot of people think of what you say you are, right? People say, oh, be what you say you are. No, it's what you say you are is advertising. Your brand is what you do. It's the actual result, results delivered. Because you can say anything. That's the beauty of advertising. We can sell ice to a polar bear if we had any left. But it's, that's not the point. Like that's a self-destructive path. There is a path, a sustainable one, a restorative one, and it's cannabis. For the whole planet and personally too. Body, mind, soul, planet. Like we need it and we need it now. Well, let's. Let's get to the soul. Let's get to the soul of cannabis because you brought up Paul. He's also an ordained minister. I am the pot pastor of Cannabis Church. You, sir, are an ordained bishop who will be filling in for me on the 29th for Cannabis Church while I'm moving because I won't, I'll be moving out of this house and won't have this office anymore. So let's talk about your spiritual relationship with cannabis. Cannabis is, um, it's, it's interesting because 
I still held, even after I became a cannabis consumer, I still held on to this notion of like, but you can't use it within X amount of time of praying, for example, right? And I held on to that for a little bit because it's what I was taught, or right, or what I thought. And then I realized, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your pride is telling you that you're tricking God, right? Like that, that at 91 minutes, it's okay. But at 89 minutes is not, right? Like those arbitrary things, those, those arbitrary rules, we loosed those, right? Cannabis helped loose those things where it was like, wait a minute, let's actually look at this for what it is. Let's slow down, let's be in the moment and look at whatever life issue it was. For me, it was my health at first, right? The realization was I was eating, I was putting the food in my mouth. And where cannabis came in was I slowed down and realized, wait a minute, what if I just change out what I'm eating, right? Got a different result. Cannabis gave me that clarity in my physical health. It gave me that clarity in my spiritual health because I was able to say, eating in that moment is not what was bad. The spirituality, the religion that I practice is not bad. The essence of what it was, when it wasn't serving me, and I don't mean to say that that's, that sounds like a certain kind of language, but I am always in the service of God. Don't ever get that in any kind of way. No, but, but, but we talk about a community, you know, drop the toxicity, leave what doesn't serve you behind. Right. And so I just, cannabis gave me that moment to look at my spiritual practices, my spiritual life, and say, what are you doing that's dictated by somebody else's rules? somebody else's projections, somebody else's anything, somebody else's story, right? And then I said, what are the things that are absolutely essential and important and, and you know, non-negotiables, right? As it were, for, for me. But I had the ability to actually see things and put them on that spectrum because, because of cannabis. It gave me the clarity to do that, to be able to say, no, 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 I don't need to throw out my spiritual life. I don't need to throw out my life of service in this way, in the church. What can I change to still fulfill this call, but to do it in a way that's life-giving for both who I'm serving and for me, rather than a constant self-giving, right? When you outpour, 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 but the cup is empty. And yeah, then there's you nothing left. Thing else, right? And that leads to burnout. It leads to just a lot of issues. It leads to a lot of things. But when I'm able to approach it and say, no, this matters because of this, that clarity usually comes from seeing things in a way that, you know, my faith is very old. And so that has a lot of pluses. It has a lot of minuses because that has a lot more time for humanity to put attach its own stuff to it right 
and so being able to take a scalpel, if you will, and, and be like, nope, that was added. That was added on, right? That's not that's not what this is about. Oh, that was added on, right? Oh, it's been here for a while, but that was added on. Got to go, right? Like, that's where cannabis got me. So it's a point where I show up authentically. I am able to talk about my life in the church and in cannabis in the same conversation and not have my head spin uh, or anybody else's head spin. Um, I am able to have those moments where, uh, for example, the last concert that I was at, I was intentional going in and I said to myself, in the songs that you don't find yourself singing along to, then you can take out your phone and take a picture. If you're in the moment, don't you dare get behind that phone. Don't you dare get behind that screen. Live it. And so then I kind of took that principle out and cannabis did that for me. Like that spiritual ability to say, how can you experience this in the moment, in the present, be here, live the life, live with the breath that's in you without falling into, oh my gosh, I need to watch this concert on this screen because everybody else has their phones out. Right. And, and do you ever actually go back and watch the videos you recorded at those types of stuff? I don't, cause they're always too loud and it's not good. Quality. And then you lose it. You lose the real life experience and you don't have a good quality like video that you were so concerned about taking to begin with. So my spirituality in cannabis is just that it, it gives me that lens to pause and say, am I experiencing this for what it is? Or am I experiencing this through the lens of somebody else's constructed, projected anything doesn't matter whatever the scaffolding is it, it can change uh but but cannabis lets me see that it's scaffolding you you're just preaching to the choir here uh, uh i mean but you already know that with me like putting putting religion music and cannabis together in one metaphor is like perfection for me as as uh i can't wait i can't wait for your sermon i can't wait for your your words because i know you're touched by god i've known that since we met like about a month and a half ago on uh, the green room uh so uh, have you dialed in what your subject matter is going to be about that weekend yet um i actually think it's going to be about balance you're muted I am muted. I like that. That's interesting because this weekend my sermon is about balance. So for you to do it, no, no, that's actually perfect for you to have the same subject matter two weeks later with a different perspective and point of view. I think we'll add a lot, quite frankly. All right. As long I, I was reflecting on it and I was like, I actually think that really the biggest thing that cannabis did for me was help me find balance. Uh, and they, you know, um, the world is really fast paced. Like, and okay, so here's the other thing, right? Like cities are sometimes characterized, like LA has like fame, right? And celebrity. New York has money. And with money comes a certain extent of power and influence. But DC has power. Chicago has pizza. And that pursuit of power in DC taught me everything I didn't want to know about how business and government 
are actually done. Uh, and, and why I am so adamant on putting people first. And actually, it's hard to see, but the very first value in my value statement is relationships matter because people come first. Um, beyond anything else that guides me, right, being creative or whatever, people come first. It's I'm solving a problem for a person. I'm answering a question for a person. I'm coming up with a creative idea for a person. I'm encountering a person, right? It's always about the people. And cannabis also helps us remember that. Um, right, we were in a community that underwent some hiccups uh, that, that ultimately I think just was moving too fast for what was sustainable and which is so ironic because cannabis is usually what allows us to chill out and and just be like oh wait what is the best path right like I really as a Vermonter I have to believe that Robert Frost was baked when he wrote that poem right to to pass the verge of a yellow wood and I take the path less traveled by well why you're not you, you if you were worried about time or being late or or getting to your meeting or doing this or doing that, like you would take the path more trodden. You would you would take the road pre-laid. There's something about somebody who can take the path less traveled or blaze a new path that is so in line with the essence of cannabis as a plant and what it can inspire that um, it's just... That's what we're doing. We're taking the paths less, the paths less traveled, right? And and when we need to, we'll blaze a new one, um, because cannabis deserves that after eighty years, not eighty decades, but eighty years of a very intense slander campaign. Um, it deserves authenticity. It deserves relationship and connection. And, you know, cannabis for me is a lot better experienced when it's puff, puff, pass, right? And the more people that are in that circle laughing, the better. Um, that's community wellness. Yeah, that's, that's what cannabis is. I'm not gonna say that's what cannabis can be. That's what cannabis is. That's what an industry that is sprung up from that value could be. And that's what we need desperately. That's what we need. Um, buy the plant for the plant, right? <laughs> like um, The plant provides. And it does. It, it, it provides everything that we might ever fathomably need um you know the the list is is incredibly long about the ways that cannabis is truly scientifically uh useful and beneficial for us for the planet for the other animals in our ecosystems right like we can't be stewards of creation if we deny creation what it needs right like how if we have endocannabinoid systems as humans and animals do, right? That's like, it's almost like a 
the propaganda almost basically was like, no, this is the, the war against your nervous system, right? Like you're not allowed to engage your nervous system, but you still have to be an entirely functioning human being. That's what they did. They, they said, no, you're, you're not allowed to consume this thing that, that literally ignites with, with a whole system inside of your human organism. And right, Paul calls that imposed scarcity. I love that term. So I'll use it. That imposed scarcity, but that doesn't apply to just us. It applies to the entire natural order, right? Like, well, like Charlie and Rick at Solon, you like to say, the world has an endocannabinoid deficiency. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're expected to be firing as if we're firing on all cylinders, but we're completely depriving one of the systems of our body that help us function cognitively, uh, musculoskeletally, uh, cardiovascularly, right? Like cannabis affects all of the other systems because that it is an, in of itself a system that is supposed to be functioning uh, in that symbiotic relationship with another system. So it's, uh, it is a very, um, I'm looking forward to talking about balance. I'm looking forward to talking about cannabis as sort of like a way forward to address, because when we look at, this fly is really bothering me. Yeah, uninvited guest. Right? Uh, it's the side effect of living on a farm though. Um, and part of the balance of where you live and how, how you live. It's, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, I know that in the summer, being near a farm, there's going to be flies, right? And so how did you have to account for that? And so the fact that they only have one buzzing around today is actually a testament to the measures that we have in place because it can be quite something. Um, but I think cannabis is a way forward for a lot of things, right? Like it, and that's why it is so uh, lobbied against. It's so hated. It is a solution to the pharmaceutical issue, to the opioid issue. It is a solution, part a big part of the solution to the uh, environmental challenges uh, and not challenges, crisis. We're in an all out emergency and the clock is running out, challenge. Uh, the climate crisis, right? Like it's, it's, it's more than just a Band-Aid there and yet we're still not pursuing it as an option. Um, I'm excited. Oh, don't, don't upset the big oil and paper industry and big pharma. Those three industries alone, let alone alcohol. Alcohol, tobacco. Um, it's, it's, it, everybody has a stake in keeping the narrative of cannabis the way that it is. Um, everybody that isn't an actual person who needs to be able to have safe, reliable access to cannabis. They seem to not care about those people too much. Um, and that's why we have to show up and start caring about each other because we are those people and we can care for each other. We don't need somebody to come in and save us because they're not interested in saving us. They're interested in taxing your product. Yeah, sure. But is it about delivering the most beneficial uh, medicine to the men and women that we send overseas that, that are lucky enough to make it back? Do we give them the medicine that they need? No, we don't. We say that they can't have it, but here, take this other thing, right? 
that. Eh, take, you, you, take 20 of those other things. We'll be strung out, but mm, that's fine. Right? FDA approved. Um, so cannabis is a, is a solution, but it's, it's a disruptive solution to the toxic systems that we rely on. And so the only way to get around the money that's been dumped in by all of these industries that we've just talked about is by literally just showing up as people and saying, you're regulating my lived experience, my access to medicine, my access to food, my access to community. What other law regulates your personal access to nutrition? Why are you allowed to regulate mine? Those are questions that we can start asking loudly, that we can start not just raising awareness of, but but by bringing attention to it, we share the story of the lived We share the story. When I don't have this, this is what happens. It's not my, uh, metaphorical. Uh, it's not an analogy. It's my pain. It's my discomfort. It's my suffering. It's my uh, inability to quiet thoughts. It's my whatever it is. You're telling me that that's not real. I don't, I don't, I don't wear this neck brace because it looks cool. Right. Like there's, there's, there are blatant red flags in the systems that we have that show us that those systems are not necessarily concerned about people. And so rather than being trapped into becoming another system that doesn't serve people, cannabis and, and those of us who are advocating for it, within it, uh, at, at this level, this is where we need to say, this is what we're advocating for, right? I'm pretty sure it was Rick who said, this is not the legalization we voted for, right? And that's what happens when you only care about something a little bit or, or not like when you're not vested in it, when you're not tied to it, when you, when you vote yes for legalization, but you don't show up and say, but this is how it should be done. Wait, why is the state of Colorado charging uh, whatever tax, right? Well, because they could, because nobody pushed back. And the tobacco said, well, if you're going to charge tax us at this, well, this is cannabis. Well, shouldn't you tax them more? And you don't have the everyday person who's showing up and saying, do you understand what that's going to do to me? Imagine if I had to pay a state tax at that level on my Ambien, on my, on my insulin, on my epinephrine. Oh, don't get me started on insulin prices, but yeah. You get the like, well, now our medical access programs are tax free, but then you have, now we're segmenting communities. Now, instead of addressing the issue, we're turning people against each other. Well, if we give it to these people who are medicinal and not the people who aren't medicinal, then then now we're just going to have infighting in their group and maybe they'll leave us alone. No need for a further solution, right? Because we just, we now start attacking each other. Cannabis industry is now fighting with the hemp industry when they come from the same plant grown from the same ground. Pretty, pretty remarkable how it can all be orchestrated. Yeah. And we fall for it.
And it takes intentionality. It takes a sense of media literacy, brand literacy, just world lit. Like, are you an informed person about the world in which you live and move? Or do you just kind of go through and like, ah, things happen to me. Things tend to happen to us when we're not intentional about either creating something or developing something that's already been created, right? Like when we don't have a plan, same in business, when we don't have a plan and we're just flying by the seat of our plants, jumping from one fad trend to the next, let's just wait to see what Harlem Shake hustle comes through next month, right? Like you're a ship adrift and there's no navigator on board, but hey, you're gonna have a really good looking logo on the side of that ship. Dude, your puns and your metaphors have been so on fire for this. And that's why I was so looking forward to this. There's no other reason than the exchange of absolutely terrible and just far-fetched punnery. And, and it's been perfect. I mean, on the highway of puns, sir, you can be my traffic coordinator any day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, but but I do I do believe that right like it's it's funny and it's quippy but that's it's a big issue it's a big issue there are a lot of people out there who say they do brand work but they don't do brand work they're great graphic designers they're great artists they're inspired people who can do things on the computer that I can't even think of doing because I'm sitting here like uh, type <laughs> right like. As you know, I like to handwrite my notes. That's for a reason. Um, and I loved mine. You'll be getting one in the mail. Let me, I'll write, I'll write it next week. I got to get some stationery first. <laughs> you, de you deserve stationery after what you sent me. Oh, gosh. Um, so, so this, you know, it's every level. It's not, it, it's somebody who encounters me in the church doesn't get a different version, right? They get the same level of authenticity. They get the same level of, I'm here to help you, but you have to be willing to receive help too, right? Like not about forcing anything on anyone. Religion taught me that very early on, that, that it's not to be forced on anyone in any way, because ultimately if it is, it's ineffective. Um, and and the, the conversion that they say is happening is usually to appease rather than, you know, something true and authentic. And so, you know, when people will look at me like, gosh, you didn't have very many, you know, baptisms last year. They'd be like, I'm a, I'm a fire chaplain. Look at how many funerals I did. Right? What are you What are you talking about? My My call to the to the Lord's Vineyard is just a different. I'm called to a different section. I work in a different way in cannabis. More of the same. My minute My work supports my ministry. My ministry supports my work. I stay balanced in creating these human aware, social conscious brands because I'm all, I'm still at the service of people and the church and that helps me know what it what i can see through very complex systems that have existed for a very long time don't don't think that your company has been around longer than the catholic church <laughs> and if if 
we can be intentional about knowing what must remain true. And yet, how do we actually bring the reality of that truth to people who believe it? Then we can cut out everything that's man-made because that's advertising anyway. And so it's about with cannabis, let's get people who believe in the value that you provide to experience that value and then feel comfortable in sharing that value. In the church, it's the same way. You get conversion, you get, you, you're effective if you are able to lead somebody to a place where they feel like there is growth, community, betterment for themselves, love and support. And they feel it in a way that's tangible and not dependent upon their tithe, their status, their this, that I've heard more confessions in the grocery store than I've heard in the church because I make it a point to go shopping dressed as a priest. Number one, right? Like, oh, father, <laughs> you do confession? Yeah, the frozen peas aren't going to tell anybody, so why don't we go there, right? Like, <laughs> um, but I could say, no, come see me at the, at the chapel, right? But then they're never going to do that, and they don't get the encounter. They don't get the sacrament. So we go to the frozen peas because ain't nobody going to come and try to interrupt us for five minutes for frozen peas, right? Like, you have an experience. You meet people where they are. In the frozen peace section. And it's not my responsibility to drag you out of that. It's my responsibility to say, I'm here with you. Let's figure this out together. Amen, brother. Well, I, I look forward to you taking over Cannabis Church on August 29th. But uh, let's get to the wrap-up portion of this. And I'm going to ask you my three favorite questions that kind of built down the roadshow because it's entertainment-based and I'm a big old yes. And I can't wait to hear your answers for these. So, uh, uh, because because I think these are very formative questions, and they reveal a lot about a person as a human and as an individual. So, we're going to start with the first question: Who's your favorite hero? Superhero, okay. whatever kind of hero. It could be Batman. Okay, so I have um, I don't have exposure or experience to a lot of like that stuff. So. Um, I, my personal hero in the fiction, uh, from fiction, that's what I can do, is Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, Captain Picard is very much like me. He knows the rules that need to be followed and he doesn't give a shit for the ones that don't, like straight up. Um, he's there to serve his, his organization, but he's also at the service of his crew and the people, right? Like just Jean-Luc Picard is but far and away, um, my hero but as far as the traditional superheroes go oh that's I, good enough that's a great choice what are you talking about i'm a star trek nerd oh i love that too uh but my very first christmas ornament that i ever uh was gifted was actually a batman and so um i do have an affinity for batman for no other reason than this ornament has been with me my entire life uh and so you know, that's as good as I can get for like the traditional heroes, but absolutely Jean-Luc Picard all the way. I have, I honestly have not heard that answer enough. And that makes me happy because I have a ton of friends in uh, the Star Trek convention, the 55 year anniversary of it in Vegas right now. So uh, like, jealous. yeah, me too. Okay. Well then 
a con to a convention, although I would love to. Um, well, if I can get healed and I move to Vegas, I'll take you to one. Uh, yeah, I'll show you how to do a con, right? Okay. Uh, now, in any good storyline, the villain is only as good as the bad guy is evil. Do you have a favorite mm -hmm. villain? I do have a favorite villain. Uh, and I don't think that it's Captain Hook. Um, because to me, he represents industry, right? To Pan, he represents all of the negative things that we associate, that children associate to adulthood. And if we think about it, those are the same negative traits that, that can seep into our relationships and, you know, right, and in the movie Hook, Robin Williams' movie Hook, right, there's a moment where Twink looks, or, or where, where um, Wendy looks at him and says, oh, Peter, you've become a pirate, right? And so Hook represents that sort of everyday evil, the temptation of what we can become if we, if we allow ourselves, to, if we allow our ego to feed our path and our intention. Right, like that is the character of Hook to me. Um, and then when he loses pieces of himself in the pursuit, right, he literally loses a piece of himself and, and then he still wants revenge. Uh, and, and it just, it's a, it's a warning to what can happen. I think he's the most accessible villain to our state of the world today. We all run the risk of becoming a Captain Hook if we're not intentional about otherwise not. And that's why Hook is my favorite villain. This is, those answers were perfect. I've never heard either of those answers in 10 years of doing this. So that-, that... <laughs> Did you think that you were gonna get anything less than original, Casey? Come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, but yeah, mine's Superman because he could be the world's worst villain, but chooses daily to become the best superhero. Darth Vader is my villain because he didn't start as a villain. If you look at his the new movies in his childhood arc and where he ended up and then redeems himself, saving his son at the end, showing that we all have that duality of man in us, that mm -hmm. balance of good and evil that we all have to deal with. So third and final question of this amazing, fucking amazing podcast. Thank you for being here. Who's your real life hero? Who inspires you daily? Um, that's a harder question. It's kind of the point. My, my partner inspires me daily. Uh, Christian goes to work every day uh, and does incredible things at the service of people uh, and at the service of his family and his community. And so that, that is a big, why is that big inspiration to me? Um, and it, it's gonna, it's a religious answer, but it's gonna, I think, come as a surprise. Um, the Dalai Lama actually is also, uh, and, and, and I choose him specifically because he's not of my faith tradition, but the tenderness, the peace, 
the easiness of living that comes from knowing who you are, regardless of what the political state is saying about you. Um, because for those who don't know, there's a right, there's a big issue between China and Tibet and the Dalai Lama being in exile. And um, uh, I've had the opportunity to meet His Holiness one time in Washington, D.C., um, yeah, the current the current one. He was at a talk in D.C. and I was able to be there for that and go through that thing. And so I'm green uh, with envy, not cannabis right now. This is all envy. Um, and just here, so in his relationships, he has a lot of close relationships to Christian leaders. I mean, as a, as a faith leader in the world, you you know who each other are, right? And I'm nowhere near that level. That's not that. Don't, let's not get there. But like, he sees people for people. He has authentic relationships, regardless of the fact that how God speaks to him and how God speaks to somebody else are different. Um, and he, as a part of his practice, he, he loves to embrace. And that is a deep reminder to me that like, it's not about finding our tribe that that is thrown out there so much. And it bothers me so because tribe leads to tribal warfare. We're all each other's tribe. We're humankind. We all have much more in common than we have alike. And maybe if we just slowed down, smiled, laughed, and embraced, maybe we wouldn't pick up the weapon, right? Maybe we wouldn't pick up the words that hurt. Maybe we like, it's, it's, so yes, there are many faith leaders that I could list, but, but for me, he is somebody that I draw daily inspiration from in his lived witness to authentically being who he is okay i was supposed to end the show there <laughs> he's one of my personal heroes too if you're watching and listening to this dalai lama or anyone in direct contact with the dalai lama can you please send him to down the road show because my personal i can retire i can fucking die if i can have the dalai lama and dr cornell west on this show together to have a discussion about humanity and climate change and racism and religion and spirituality. Like that's my ultimate goal. That's my perfect podcast. Like, you know, people, that old question, who would you want to talk to alive or dead? Like those two together on down the road show podcast would make my dream come true and make me feel like I've actually accomplished something. That I would, that would be a good talk. I would also very much want that talk to happen. <laughs> and, and Oh, I, yeah, you're muted. There we go. The hands, the hands aren't working right. So sometimes I think I unmuted it and I didn't, uh, but this would bring it, this is a whole nother episode, but like, you know, what does it say about the Dalai Lama that he's like, Hey, by the way, I'm the last one. What does that say about what he knows that's happening to this planet and us as a society and human anyway, but I got the chance to meet Dr. Cornell West about uh, 10 years ago when someone had me go to uh, Tavis Smiley's house and do some filming for something they were working on and whatnot. And like, that was just a moment, like meeting that guy in the way he, treats people in the way he talks because he's so damn smart but he doesn't talk down to you 
Like right. it, it was insane. And so like, yeah, there we go. That's my dream podcast. So people out there related to Dr. Cornel West and the Dalai Lama. Hook a yeah, hook a brother up. Come on. Uh, well, Damien, thank you for sharing your story. Thank it's you for me too. <laughs> it's, it's a powerful story that I hope people right now are giving you a standing ovation wherever they're listening to this podcast or watching this. Oh, well, well thank you. And I, I want to make sure you know how grateful I am to you for holding the space and allowing me to, I know you've interviewed a lot of people in your years. And, and so being able to share and hold space for me makes me feel very important um, and, and loved from you. So just thank you for that because uh, I, I never had the chance. I've never had anybody ask me these questions directly before. So I'm very grateful uh, to be here and sharing this, but also for everybody who will listen to it now and in the future. And um, please get in touch with us. Uh, it's a community all along. So um, if you encounter me through Casey, reach out. If you encounter Casey through me, reach out uh, because that's what we're here for. Um, and um, I just, I didn't want the effort. I didn't want to close without acknowledging you and, and the effort of being here. So I very much appreciate it. The saying about me, if there's one thing I know about my fans, they're not fans of me. They're not here for me. They're here for my guests. Well, you have the show, though, and you're what you drive it. So I, I you know, if I can add value to that, I'm grateful. Uh, and I'm grateful that you have the, the vessel uh, that drives it all. So this was a lot of fun. Um, this was a blast. In two hours. Uh, so I hope you get some rest. Like we planned on an hour. The only reason I'm still here is here's my cannabis story is because I got three different of my favorite three CBD brands in me currently. That's the only reason I'm not uh, in as much pain as I normally am that we could do an actual two hour episode that I wasn't planning on doing a two hour episode. And I know I'm long winded. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully it, it all comes together. It'd be different if you weren't entertaining. Fair. Yeah. So I, I so promote 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 here we go on my end tune in to cannabis church live he'll be hosting his own clubhouse room uh and recording the zoom part of it for cannabis church's youtube channel and official podcast on august 29th while i'm busy moving out of this house and space and office uh thank you for filling in for me brother i love and respect you so much i think you already know that and i look forward to meeting you in person somewhere down the road and make that happen very soon. Um, you connect with me until then uh, online at the Cannabrander or um, our web home is the www.thecannabrander.co.com. C-O. That's, uh, you know, another time for another day. But uh, those are the best places and anywhere that you can interact in, in a room where ideas exchange freely, green room, clubhouse, uh, any of those places. Come say hi. Uh, come schedule a meeting. I, I love the opportunity to hear your story. And that's what I do. So, thank you again, Casey, so much. Um, I really do look forward to just the continuing partnership and and helping and being of service. So I think I think there are a lot of great things coming. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Love you, brother. See you down the road. See you down the road.